Okay, the reading is Matthew chapter 1, 21 through 23. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. The virgin shall, come, shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. And as you do, let's go ahead and thank the Jewel family again. Thanks, guys. Yes. Thank, thank God for what he's doing. And again, it's a joy and a privilege to get to be a part of it. Just here, and when, when I first met with Joe, when he, he, he shared this and brought um, us into the potential transition, and again, even the way they walked through it was huge and, and great. I, I got choked up. We're both, we both talked. We've both been getting a lot more choked up lately. Um, but, but just uh, the, 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 the fact that our church, you know, we just celebrated five years and that we get the privilege of being a part of God's work in, 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 in significant ways, right? We talk about life is naturally supernatural, that we don't know what he's doing often in, in the kind of coming and going of just everyday life, and then the fact that we get to be a part of a huge redeeming work, like some of the stuff that Joe shared, is just humbling, and it also causes us to, to pray, and I want to invite us all to be praying as a church for, for far more than we can ask or imagine, Okay, to trust that God would use us in our brokenness, in our weaknesses, to do incredible, eternally significant things. Amen? So now, uh, as we get into our time in this Advent season, and, and you've heard what Advent means, right? It means coming or arrival. We remember the first coming of Jesus, anticipate his second coming. We, we're going to walk through this, this idea, this, this theology of incarnation, it's a God in the flesh. And so that's what we're going to be walking through each, each week over the next, uh, next few weeks is looking at the, the significance, the reality of what that means, that Jesus is God in the flesh, God incarnate. So would you go ahead and turn with me? As you saw, we're in Matthew chapter 1, if you have a copy of God's Word. If you don't have a copy of um, God's Word with you, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up, and somebody will get you one, okay? So I want to make sure you all have one. Um, with you. So hold your hand up, keep it up. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Mateo capítulo 1. And uh, again, this is our gift to you, okay? We keep it, please. Keep a copy of God's Word. If you don't know what to do in this Christmas season, circle around, even walk through each of the four gospel accounts and look at the person of Jesus. So with that, let me go ahead and pray as we get into our time together. And this morning, as we walk through um, Advent and, and we walk through incarnation, God in the flesh, we're specifically looking at Emmanuel, this name of Jesus that is God with us. All right, so let's go ahead and pray together and get into our time. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that though the grass withers and the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. Lord, our, 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 our prayer is that the, the, the words of our mouth, Lord, the words of my mouth as I seek to, to share out of your word, Lord, and that the thoughts of my heart and every heart in here would be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will do a work that we cannot do. Lord, you will soften our hearts. 
Lord, we pray that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear how you would shape us, how you would inform our lives by the good news that you are indeed, Lord Jesus, God with us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. What's, uh, what makes this season significant for you? Or just how do you, how do you feel about it? How do you go about it? We, we shared around our doing dinner table, um, I think a couple n- n- nights ago, what are you looking forward to? What, what, what about this season, about this year in particular, are you excited about? Um, for me, it's one of every year, it's, and I got to have the moment, it was different this year than I had expected. Um, I could share more. We had to break into our own house on Thanksgiving morning, and then the last couple of days were spent fixing uh, aforementioned break in. And it was, uh, yeah, a little bit. And I'm, I shouldn't break into houses, by the way. I'm loud and messy with it. So now I know, right? Check that off the list of potential jobs down the road. But um, I also can't fix what I broke either very well. So Praise God for friends and others who know how to do such things. But while we're sitting around thinking, for me, it's that moment once we get the lights up and I, I kind of get in the front yard feels like done, right? Backyard, who cares? Inside, whatever. But what everyone else will see, that's what I care about. No, I've, I've shared before my obsession with our front yard. And um, I, I do. I just that moment, once the lights get up, once it kind of feels, I have my own backstory of why that's significant for me. But that's something. And even this year, again, when that was in question a bit, there's like, I know it in my head, but practically, functionally, there's that just like, what is this all about? Like why, you know, I've now, if I don't get trees or lights hung up in our tree, I'm like, why even bother? Christmas might as well move. I, I don't know where that, I've only done that for like a few years, but now it's locked in. Christmas hinges, the success of Christmas hinges upon that kind of thing. My, one of my friends, Matt here, um, his lights didn't come on after all, right? Clark Griswold moment. Some of us have probably experienced that. I certainly have. But as you think through just what is it? What, what, what's so significant? What makes it significant, right? Elf, I don't know if you guys watched that movie. That's a, our, uh, we haven't yet this year. We need to. Um, but that always kind of kicks off. Again, we always watch it and, and right, what's his line, right? The, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And right, I can't impersonate, though I wish I could, that awesome elf voice. But right, you hear that, you think, what, watch a movie, eat a food, whatever it is, and just the significance of it. And as we talk about it, again, in my own experience even this week, is intellectually knowing, right, as my, I'm cleaning up glass and trying to replace glass and then scrambling to try to hang up lights. Intellectually, I'm a pastor, right? I know I've already prepared this sermon. I already know what I'm preaching about, yet practically, functionally, in my heart, I'm just like, I, I'm not living into it. And I don't know if that's some of our experience and why I, I'm particularly looking forward to this season every year and this season, this year, it's just to slow down and again, even kind of come before God and just say, God, how will you continue to further drill down the reality of what it means that you, God, creator of all things, became a human, are God with us, that you put on flesh. Okay, and that, 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 that Latin phrase, in, incarnation, it means, it means with meat on, 
right? If you know Spanish or know like chile con carne, some of you probably think that's an old dad joke. It probably is, but like hopefully it makes it sticky, right? It makes you remember like chile con carne with meat. God incarnate is God with meat in the flesh. And so that's what the significance of what we're walking through. And, 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 and again, we get in this place of like, how did we get here? Right? I don't know if you, I open up the news um, specifically on Sunday mo- mornings just to see what's going on. There was another terrible mass shooting. Um, I don't even know all the details. I didn't have time to read through and find out all the things. I know it was in Louisiana, um, and, and it's sad. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's horrible. We were driving back from Phoenix the day after Thanksgiving, right? And I mean, I, we saw, I don't know if you guys saw this too, Add. Um, Black Friday starting at 2 p.m. on Thursday, JCPenney's. It's like, we're like, we're boycotting JCPenney. Oh, wait, they have amazing deals. Maybe not. Like, our principles are, you know, challenged a bit with those things. But, I mean, it's, it's insane. And just, again, as we slow down and we talk about it here, we saw just traffic. We saw, you know, people giving hand gestures <laughs> that weren't, you know, very kind and, you know, things like this. And it's just like, what's going on here? How did we get here? Well, just transitioning out of Exodus, where we just were, right, for the last number of months, I, we couldn't have been set up better to, to ask that question. Like, why is this significant that God would be with his people? Why is this season important? Right? And you might be thinking, no, Dave, you're confused right now. You must have drunk too much eggnog last night. Like, no, Exodus is for Easter, you know, not Christmas. Well, look with me where we were in Exodus chapter 40, the very last verses in Exodus. It said this in verse 34 and then verse 38. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. This was this climactic moment. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle for the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire was in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Finally, after this whole buildup, this whole anticipation in, in this whole Exodus story is God is dwelling with his people in a tent. And yet what we just read this morning in Matthew chapter one is quoting Isaiah chapter seven, which says that God's people need saving, which, by the way, that prophecy, Isaiah, is in the Old Testament. It's many, many years after the Exodus. So what happened? God was finally with his people, right? He's dwelling in a tent. He's there. It's this big. There's smoke. There's fire. There's cloud. There's pomp and circumstance. God is with his people. What happened? Well, God's people cannot remain faithful, and in the whole story, if in the very beginning, as God creates people, right, as, as God himself, right, creates the heavens and the earth, and he says, let us make man in our image, and he creates humans, Adam and Eve, to bear his image and to live perfectly in relationship with him, and we get three chapters in, halfway through the third chapter, and sin enters in. Thanks, but no thanks, God. We'll do it our way. Well, we don't need you. We don't need to depend on you. We got it. We'll take it from here. And just brokenness, murder comes crashing in right away after that. Brokenness, ugliness, sadness. It continues. It builds up. God says, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to provide for you. 
And then, and then he makes this promise, and then his people, he calls them into a covenant relationship with himself. And then we remain unfaithful. And, and all along, God's showing it's not dependent on you, on what you can do. And that, if you read through the, the Bible, if you read through the Old Testament, that theme is proven time and time again. God's people are faithless. And that's what happened in the end of Exodus here. Shortly after that, they can't get away from their own false gods. They can't get away from God. God is dwelling with them. Like they see fire and smoke and light and cloud and God is directing and guiding his people and there's this intimate relationship and yet God's people constantly are like, ah, I'd rather make something with my own hands that I can orient my life around. Just like us, consumerism, Things that we want to replace God with. This will satisfy me. Once I get this in my life, once I have this experience, once I, you know, put the two cords together and all the lights come on and hallelujah and Uncle Eddie's cheering back there and, you know, all, then that's the moment, right? It's, and, and, and even in these movies we watch, it's a constant climax and then letdown. Oh, it's all building. Boom. And so God looks at his people and sees our broken state. And in his infinite, profound wisdom, most gloriously, most finally, he looks. And as we read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, he says that he will do what for his people? He looks and he says he will save his people from their sins. This is our most, desperate, our most desperate need all along. Again, sin is ultimately not God. It's rebellion. It's replacing God. It's all these things. But in, you can think of it in this phrase, not God. All the way back to the very beginning. God, I'll do it my way. And, and, and every other plan, every other effort, even God dwelling among his people in that way, they, they are unfaithful. So God says, No, 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 she will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken, what he promised by the prophet, again, Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And then the added part in parentheses there is explaining, which means God with us. We need God to actually enter in to become one of us. Okay, so as we sit in this story, this significance, it's important that you hear this because I think a lot of people might even come to church in this season, might hear, but we don't acknowledge. We think of, right, you think of, again, I'm on a Will Ferrell kick, I guess, right? You like, oh, baby Jesus is my favorite Jesus, right? Eight pound, 10 ounce, whatever, baby Jesus. Like, that's the one I pray to. And we think, oh, what would Jesus do? And I, he's a great example. He's a great model. No, in this, what's important for us to acknowledge on this day as we begin this Advent season is this. What we need most, de- most desperately in order to be saved is for God to become one of us. It's for God to take on flesh, not just God to stand off from afar and be like, here's your new model, here's your new method that you can try harder and do better with good intentions this year, you'll get it right, you'll get it better. Again, just to enter into it with me, it, I even actually share this with my, my wife. Um, to my embarrassment in my journal, um, y- yesterday morning, I've been walking through Proverbs and 
I'm reading through, and it talked about this, 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 this call to put relationships and people above tasks. And that was my prayer. And yet, a few hours later, I got grumpy and upset with my in-laws, and it wasn't their fault. And all these things, because the tasks, again, the lights and the window and the cleaning and the this and the that was the tasks. And I was well-intended. I had declared in my journal. I had prayed about it. I write like, oh, fickle people that we are. We can try as hard as we, as we want Right again, I I'm not the best among us, but I think I I can work pretty hard. I can, but in no my best intentions. Thankfully, in God's grace, He reminded me of that. Like, you you can't do it. You can plan as best as you can at the beginning of the day, but if your hope is in yourself, you're gonna fail. Time and time again, Amen. So what's our answer? God with us. What does that mean? It means this, hear me, this is important, fully God and fully man. Okay, look at Hebrews chapter 1 that kicks off this, that explains this reality. In these last days, God has spoken to us by a son. Okay, a son, right? Jesus, the son of God, son of Joseph, son of Mary. God has spoken to us by a son whom he Appointed the heir of all things. Okay, so we get his manhood, right? His humanity here. Through whom also he created the world. Whoa, wait a minute. Okay, Jesus, in the beginning, God. When you think of the creation of all things, think of Jesus. Okay, there, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's John chapter 1 through whom he created all things. He is the radiance of God's glory and the very stamp of his nature, fully God, not second-class God, not, you know, not just, oh, the very best human, that Jesus the example, the one that we should strive to be more like. No, fully God, the very stamp of his nature, upholding the universe by his, ver- by his word of power, infinite power. He can command, he can sustain, he can maintain through the words of his mouth. Okay, are are you picturing the glory and the grandeur and the greatness of God right now? As we read that, again, think of, I I always go to sharks. I grew up in San Diego, but my biggest fear, a couple times I've surfed and like a dolphin came by and I was terrified, right? Because I saw a fin and thought, and even once I knew it was a dolphin, I was still terrified. All right, but um, I know dolphins seem all cute and stuff, but I just felt tiny. And okay, small joke, yes, but I think anyone would have. I was in the ocean. And, but I always go to great white sharks and just the idea of how massive and powerful and scary with words God created that kind of power. Not just created, not just like rolled the dice and got it going, but sustains it. Okay, Jesus, Son of God, God the Son, fully God, fully man, sustains. Whatever it is that that incites awe and wonder for you, that's God. And then now, look up here on the stage. Look at this manger. Okay, I've seen a couple big babies in here this morning, which is awesome. It's great. Thank you for the illustration. (laughs) But also, I mean, imagine a little baby, weak, vulnerable. Okay, I don't, but imagine birth. 
all right, the reality of what it means for God to take on flesh, to become one of us in order to save his people. Because sit for a moment. Again, let's slow down. I've got all these to-dos and stuff I got to do and lists and things, and I think it in my mind, but let us sit for a moment in the reality the craziness of what God would choose to do in this season. <laughs> to take on flesh, to be vulnerable, to be dependent. Okay, and then Jesus would live out the new humanity that God has in store for you and me. That he would live the perfect life, never once disrespecting his parents, never once failing to love his neighbor as he should and his thoughts, and his words, and his actions. Living the life that you and I are called to live, created to live, perfectly human. And yet, how in all that does he save us? By being a good example, by being, you know, all the songs that make us feel warm and fuzzy, and sometimes they sound crazy if we actually slow down and look at them, <laughs> think about what they're saying, like, is that how he saves us? No, look at second. Corinthians chapter 5, his plan gets even crazier. Fully God, creator of heaven and earth. Let there be light. Boom, there's light. Becoming a baby. And then even more awe-inspiring, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Lived a fully perfect life, about 33 years on this earth. <laughs> without a single thought, single word, single action that would not be 100% enveloped in who he is, honoring God with everything, every thought, word, action, loving his neighbor. No sin, not a single one. Not knowing sin. Him who knew no sin became sin, took on sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. How does God show us his love? Oh, because of warm fuzzies, because I drink hot chocolate, and finally, for a moment, everything worked out, and I look at the lights come on, and boom, God is love. It's so nice. <laughs> no, that's fleeting. How does God show his love? In that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how we know God is love. This season, the music, the candles, as beautiful as this stuff is, and thank you for all you who did all the work to make this place such that we can stop and remember and our, all of our senses can be incited to consider the, 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 what's so special about this season. But it all is like trappings, right? To, to, to direct our gaze, to, to cause us to slow down, acknowledge something is different. What is it? It's that God's plan from the very beginning is to show his love for us and that him who knew no sin, Jesus, would become sin. Augustine has an incredible quote that he says this, that this is the plan, was that the Son of God became the Son of Man so that you who were sons of men might be made sons of God. Okay, think of that. The Son of God, very beginning, creator of heaven and earth, chose to become a human, son of man, and then chose to die on a cross 
and then was raised from the dead so that he is fully, so that you and I can be fully forgiven, fully accepted, fully reconciled to God, so that we can go from enemies to daughters, to children, to beloved, to accepted. A song that we'll sing throughout this season, we'll sing today, is this idea of from a manger to a tree. Okay, hear me on this. That was God's plan A. That was the only way, right? There's no other way. It's not like as Jesus got to be about 25 or so, God's like, man, he's just too good. This whole idea of him working out as an example is not going to work. No one else can do it. So what, what, what are we going to do? What do you think? You know, okay, we'll, we'll have him die. No, from the very beginning, this season, as we sing songs, as we consider all the beauty, as we sing the little drummer boy, and we kind of enter into the, the picture of uh, Jesus laying there in the manger, and no, that's not a biblical song, but by the way, but it can still be fun and has a catchy beat, right? Like, it's, as we enter in and think about that, the plan from the very beginning is that the Son of God would become a Son of Man, and then that He would die so that you and I could become children of God, reconciled. That's the only way. That's God's plan of salvation. So again, in these coming weeks, as we walk through this season, as we walk through the incarnation, God in the flesh, God with meat on, okay, let's pause even right now as we prepare to respond and consider Jesus. Okay, what would it look like for Emmanuel, God with us, to shape your family? What would it look like as you sit around the table, as you hustle through the day, as you talk to one another, as you try to, to, to fabricate and force whatever outcome you want to hopefully, as God has done to me, when God just shines a light on your inability and reminds you, you can't do it. You're, you're failing right now. Your very best efforts fall so short. What does it look like in that moment for the Holy Spirit to remind you, oh, God already entered in. God became a human. God took on flesh. God had a plan to go to the cross so that I don't have to strive anymore, so that my obedience, so that when I do love my family the way I want to, when I do Right? When I do finally in that moment recognize, man, I'm striving, I'm putting tasks above relationships, and just in that moment to recognize, I can, I can do that, I can obey because I don't have to. I can become a son of God, not because I try harder, not because I do better, not because I, I get it all figured out, not because this will be the first Christmas I finally nail, like I finally get it right. right? But we can get it right because we don't have to, because we can't. Because he's already done it on our behalf. So what would it look like for you and for me in our homes, in our church, in our community to actually be shaped by God in the flesh, by Emmanuel, God with us, who alone is our hope, is our joy, who alone is love, who alone is actual peace, actual shalom, the way things ought to be. What would it look like if our hope, if our meaning, if our identity, if our celebration, if our grieving, if all of it comes back to and is centered upon Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us? Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, we need you, Lord, again, to do a work in us. Lord, I even thank you that throughout this morning, we've, we've almost been forced to, to slow down. That, that throughout Exodus, we were blazing through. We had to get through so much, cover so much, Lord, that this morning, we could probably have all recited. We know a lot intellectually of this Christmas story of this significance of Jesus and the fact that Jesus is a, became a baby and that that's what we celebrate in Christmas and all these things. But Lord, for that to penetrate our hearts, for that to shape our lives, to form our families, to inform how we relate with others in traffic at the store, Lord, for that to inform and, and even, um, Lord, direct who we are and how we engage in our community as a church, Lord, we need you. We need you to do a work that we can't do on our own. So we pray that now as we respond, that your spirit would continue to lead us, Lord, to, to grow into who we are in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.